And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Go, man. Tear it off, dude. You're listening to Here's the Catch with David Lombardi, Matt Barrows, and Dennis Brown on the Athletic Podcast Network. <laughs> rock bottom, or at least the four-handers can hope that it's rock bottom. Maybe it gets worse from here. Maybe it doesn't. But to me, that was the most humiliating embarrassing loss of Kyle Shanahan's tenure as 49ers head coach. 31-17 Cardinals over the 49ers. The score does not dictate how badly the 49ers got their asses kicked in that game uh, because you have to have context, right? You you have to look at the fact that Arizona was down QB1, Kyler Murray, down wide receiver one, DeAndre Hopkins, down uh, defensive player number one, J.J. Watt, down running back number one in Chase Edmonds, who got hurt on the game's first play. I mean, this was a severely shorthanded Cardinals team. A.J. Green. Yeah, A.J. Uh, Green on the COVID you know, list. Yeah, severely shorthanded Cardinals team that uh, came into Levi Stadium and just spanked the 49ers. And, you know, the, the where they spanked the most was the Arizona offense, which was the most depleted unit, against the 49ers defense, which just laid down and got destroyed. Offense for the 49ers actually made some plays, but they turned it over and, you know, set it up. But the defense, Matt and Dennis or whoever wants to, to vent about this first, the defense just laid down. I, I had never seen anything like that since Shanahan took over. Even those bad teams in 17 and 18 fought. These guys, Drake Kirkpatrick just got steamrolled on the field. They had the wrong play called. I mean, there was it looked like a JV team in high school against a good varsity team. 49ers yeah. defense against the backup Cardinals offense. That That's the best way I can describe it. You said it. No fight. There was no yeah, fight. Exactly. <laughs> there was no fight tonight. It, it felt like, you know, I, I understand on the back end, the 49ers got trouble. I mean, they've got some issues in their secondary but holy mackerel, how do you how are you playing the NFL and get trucked? Like, I mean, just and then you have a screen pass that no one even tap. He runs across the entire defense, scores a touchdown. No one, no one, no one even touches the man. You know, it, I mean, it's it, it was it was tough to watch. I played defense. Tackles played well. DJ Jones played well. Catavius Street played well. Eric Armstead played, but. In the back end, this defense is horrible in the back end. Simple things, making tackles, the simplest things, reads, anything. It was just hard to watch this defense. And then in the third quarter to come out and just give up, just give it up in three plays. You're still in the football game come the third quarter. And then you just give it up in three plays. And I really felt the game was over after that. Just horrible to watch. I mean, as a defensive guy, it hurt my heart to watch this team play tonight. This was this was coming. I mean, uh, they had ten missed tackles in that game against the Bears, a game that they won. So that the that defensive effort was sort of pushed down the uh, the storyline list. But they were bad in that game. They were worse on Sunday. Um, you know, uh, 
Aziz Alshair had a missed tackle. Trey Kirkpatrick had the most prominent missed tackle. He just got absolutely trucked on that touchdown run. And then Emmanuel Mosley is the one that, that kind of started it off. Uh, just could not contain on the outside. Um, I don't know what happened. I mean, we, we were asking Shanahan and the others whether there was a team-wide exhale after they learned that Murray and DeAndre Hopkins, the, the, the two biggest 49ers killers in, in recent years, weren't playing in the game. And they, they all insisted, oh, no, no. In fact, we, we guarded against that. We made sure that that wasn't going to happen. I, I, I'm not sure they did. Maybe maybe consciously they did. But, you know, all of us, when, when we saw that, when we thought that that group wasn't going to play, we thought, oh, okay, the 49ers are going to, are going to win this one. Um, you know, they're just the more talented team now without those players. I, I can't help but thinking the 49ers had to have subconsciously at some level, like I said, exhaled, relaxed a little bit. Uh, whereas the Cardinals, I think, uh, did the opposite. They said, okay, no DeAndre Hopkins, no Kyler Murray. Each of us, the remaining guys on this team, have to step it up a little bit so that when those two guys come back, we're still going to be at the top of the division. And they did that, and the 49ers didn't. And uh, one team played with real urgency, efficiency and urgency, crisp football. I mean, it was nothing spectacular. It was Colt McCoy throwing little dump-offs, little yep. screens, little throws down the line of scrimmage here and there. It was, it was basically one deep ball for McCoy all game. Um, and it was just basic stuff. And they were better at uh, whatever they were doing than the 49ers were countering it. It was clear the game plan was, hey, check it out, Coit or Colt. We're going to get the ball out your hands real quick. You get it to some guys and we make plays down the football field. And it almost felt like, and I hate to say this, but I think it's true. I think Kyle Shanahan got outcoached. Oh, for I sure. mean, it, it was, yeah, it was, no I mean, it was, it was so obvious what the game plan was. Get the ball out the quarterback's hands as soon as possible. The times when he stayed in the pocket, he was pressured a little bit, but for the most part, it was just get 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 the ball out real quick. You know, D'Amico Ryan sending blitzes or, or corner blitzes, and boom, guess what? The ball was going right where that corner was Massive coming game. from, and it was yeah. first down. I mean, the game plan was great on Arizona side, and I think you know you got your butt kicked on the field, but I think you also got your butt kicked. Uh, as far as coaching goes. Well, absolutely. And then Kyle Shanahan's asked about it, and he's like, oh, yeah, I'm not really sure what happened to the defense. He always tries to delegate the defense to somebody else. Obviously, D'Amico Ryan's at the head coach of the defense, and Robert Sala was the head coach of the defense before then. But at a certain point, especially when it's getting really ugly like this, the head coach is in charge of the whole team. So even though it's D'Amico Ryan's getting badly out-schemed by Cliff Kingsbury, that ultimately reflects on Kyle Shanahan because he's the one that decided to promote D'Amico Ryan's, and D'Amico Ryan's better be ready for that job, and he better you know not be allowing wide swaths of yard on you know simple blitzes I thought the blitzes were just reckless from the 49ers today it was like somebody who hadn't played Madden before and was just picking the most aggressive blitzes against a really good opponent right and you always get burned if you do that you have to have discipline on the back end now I get it it was 
probably made much harder by the fact that Jimmy Ward and Jaquaski Tart, the 49ers' two starting safeties, were out of this game. So they had to start Tavon Wilson and Talanoa Hufunga. Obviously, the cornerback position uh, is not what the 49ers envisioned it to be with with uh, Verrett out and with Norman you know, playing as poorly as he is. They benched Norman today. Drake Kirkpatrick, from a football perspective, was even worse. Mosley had a bad game. I get it. You know, The personnel is not everything the 49ers thought it would be in this offseason. But still, there were way too many plays where there was a very short Cardinals pass. By the way, to your guys' point, Colt McCoy averaged average depth of target was 3.5 yards. He completed 85% of his passes. Yeah, so but but you know 85%. I know that Jimmy threw the ball a little bit further down the field today, but it wasn't like he was airing it out. He was 8.9 average depth of target. So in comparison, Colt McCoy is 3.5, but even with 3.5, he had guys running like with nobody within 15 yards of them. That's how like over aggressive and poorly positioned these 49ers blitzes were. So yes, absolutely outcoached because from a schematic perspective, uh, the 49ers either weren't in position or when they were, they just got run over. And it happened so many times. I mean, everybody's going to replay the Drake Kirkpatrick one, right, with uh, Eno Benjamin on that 21-yard touchdown. But what about the quarterback sneak from Colt McCoy where the 49ers stop him in the backfield? And I think it was Aziz Alshire. He moves a linebacker across the line. A 35-year-old quarterback moves a linebacker across the line to gain. This wasn't one of those quarterback sneaks where the line got enough push. The 35-year-old quarterback was the one getting the push. I mean, in what world is this acceptable? This is professional football. Again, this can't look like JV against varsity. This is NFL against NFL, and it didn't look like it from the 49ers' perspective, at least on defense. Yeah, the problem is that Al Shair and and a lot of uh, linebackers these days are basically safety size. So it's not the the 250-pound guy that we grew up watching at that position. That position has changed uh, as much as any in the NFL. But you're absolutely right. And uh, it raises the question, if the 49ers keep going down this path, who takes the fall? Who's going to be the scapegoat for this team? Because to me, it seems like, you know, Jed York bought into this long-term plan for, for Trey Lance Obviously, this is the Shanahan-Lynch plan that they hatched in the offseason. The, the ownership is, is part of that plan. He's not going to want to change a, the head coach when that head coach just picked the, uh, the quarterback of the future to sort of nurture along slowly. So, I mean, to me, I think uh, it, it's obvious is that they're going to have to make a change at defensive coordinator unless this ship gets righted in these last nine games. And we should point out, it is nine games. We haven't even played half the damn season yet. Feels like it's been a season and a half so far, but uh, there's still more games to be played than have been played so far. So, um, and I believe that the uh, the last playoff team right now is the Carolina Panthers, and they have exactly four wins. The 49ers have three wins. So, uh, I, I know no one wants to hear this right now. They they want to hear venom and anger, but uh, there is still an opportunity, a big opportunity to kind of pull this together and at least make a respectable showing um, and, and make a, uh, a wild card seed in this, in this uh, playoffs. But if, if they don't, uh, and uh, we continue to see this, the, the defensive coordinator is probably going to have to go. The defensive backs coach definitely has to go. I mean, bad tackling. That's, you know, we went from can't play the deep ball, you know, that basic intrinsic portion of 
of football too can't tackle which is even a more basic part of it uh and that's gotta that's gotta gall you to no end dennis yeah and you know i spent some time talking to eric eric davis who was in town we're all kind of celebrating uh by going into the the team's hall of fame and eric davis just he, he said it i asked him i said you know what's up with these pis i know nothing about playing defensive back i asked him about the the pi and the first thing he said to me was it's, it's basic, there's two things uh, in playing defensive back. It's just the basic fundamentals of knowing where the ball is and knowing where the guy is in front of you and tackling. And this was before the game even started, you know, watching these guys trying to tackle and it's basic fundamentals. And it's football one-on-one, -on -one, tackling the ball carry. Now I know defensive backs don't wanna tackle anybody, but when you have to tackle, you have to have your basic your, your basic fundamentals. And and Eric Davis said, I mean, these guys, when you watch him, and he doesn't follow the follow the 49ers. You know, he's in LA. I mean, he's doing his own thing right now. But when he says, when he sees the Niners and he sees all the PIs, it's basic, basic NFL defensive back technique. And he doesn't see it in in, in this group of guys. And and he says, you know, Josh Norman is a guy, he's a he's a he's a you know he's a venture. I mean he's a he's a journeyman, but you know he's at the twilight of his of his career right now. And but when he was good, he was good. But right now he's just not good because he he doesn't have the fundamentals. And I think that's what it's about. And I don't know if if D'Amico Ryan's has to go, but there's got to be a change. You know in in philosophy. You know the mindset of the defense because this defense and we're talking about playoffs. This defense doesn't look like it has any fight in it right now. It looks like, you look at McCoy, he had a career game. He's 30 years old. He had a career game against 35. 35. Thank you. My heart is breaking even more. <laughs> I mean, he went out there and, you know, I he looked like he was a first-round draft pick. And he had a career football. He completed 85% of his passes today. And he looked like, you know, we, we, we don't say it here, but he was a great game manager today. He he executed the offense. Whatever the offense was, he had it. He got the ball out of his hand. So there has to be a change of culture in his defense because they are not fighting. You got one playmaker. You got Nick Bosa who's consistently making plays. Eric Armstead had a good game. DJ Jones had a good game. But you got to have some playmakers in the secondary. You just don't have it right now. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Even Jimmy Ward, who didn't play today because of the quad injury, his most recent interception came back when Trent Balky was the general manager back in 2016. What does that tell you? That tells you that this is not a ball-hawking secondary, but they did really miss Jimmy Ward today because he's the best tackler on this defense, especially on the back end, and he, he does a lot of stuff 
that the staff likes. But I mean, the fact that he's not a big interceptor, not a big ball hawk, means that this is a rush over coverage defense, right? I mean, the, the, in 2019, they really relied on that pass rush, hitting home from both edges, hitting home from the interior. And now, you know, with only Bosa generating consistent juice up there, you know, D Ford's on injured reserve again. They hope that Amanihu, the, the the trade acquisition, is going to do something. But he was still inactive today because he's getting, uh, you know, learning the 49ers scheme. But anyway, with, with that front just not generating what it used to, the 49ers desperately need the back end to be at least a partial locomotive of this train, right? You, the defensive line is just not strong enough to pull the rest of the defense along. The back end has to do something. But instead of the back end doing something, you know, stepping up and really leading the way, uh, it, it hasn't. And today it wasn't going to be the secondary because of the injury. So it had to be somebody like Fred Warner who just got washed out of some of those screen pass plays, who just isn't playing up to the standard that earned him the record contract. Warner stepped up in 2020. The 49ers also saw decimation or depletion along their defensive line. They also saw some injuries in the secondary, but they kept the defense afloat, and Fred Warner earned his money last year, right? That's that's the season that garnered the big contract. It was the contract year. He played like an all-pro. He's not playing like an all-pro this, anymore this year, and what you see is this just wet rag of a defense. You know, I called it a wet rag against Chicago. I thought that that performance wasn't good, but the 49ers didn't turn it over on offense, and they were explosive on offense. Today, you complemented that wet rag of a defense, with, with, which was even worse than it was at Chicago, but it was, you know, probably playing a better play caller in, in Cliff Kingsbury. But you complemented that lacking defense with an offense that turned it over twice, fumbles by Ayuk and George Kittle, right? And all hell broke loose. It all spiraled downhill. And I, I want to bring it to this, Matt. The, the, the irony is, you know, the 49ers, the 2019 49ers, the 2020 49ers, they would have taken this Jimmy Garoppolo performance every single game of the season and finished with a very, very good record if they just paired it with a decent defense, right? I mean, they were moving the ball. They just. It was those two fumbles and that atrocious defensive effort that sunk the 49ers. Yeah, last year's defense was not spectacular. It was a step down from the 2019 defense, but it was still a solid defense. They could stop the run. They could do the the basic things that we were talking about. Um, and, um, you know, that, again, that speaks to uh, D'Amico Ryans and his unit. He's got arguably more talent. He definitely has more talent uh, up and down the, the, ro- the, uh, the defensive roster than he did uh, than the 49ers did last year. Remember, there was no Bosa. There was no Solomon Thomas. Uh, Tart was hurt for some of it, uh, et cetera, et cetera. So, uh, you know, uh, uh, Sala did more with less last year than um, than D'Amico Ryans is doing this year. And, um, you know, going back to the last game, I thought that Eric Armstead sort of disappeared in that game, and it wasn't a very good game for him, and I was wondering about whether he would step up and I really thought he did in this game. He was uh, he was the best defensive lineman. He's playing from the inside. Um, he was uh, you know uh, getting pressure on Col- Colt McCoy when when he had time to. Obviously, the the quick passes negated most of that. But um, you know, with him and Bosa, uh, you know that's that's a pretty good. That that that's that's basically what uh, most teams have: two really good defensive linemen 
They need two other guys to step up, um, and they haven't had those. You know, and, and as far as D'Amico Ryans and what the 49ers can do, they do have a guy on staff, James Betcher, who they brought in for the be, be you know for the the very reason uh, was because that Ryan's doesn't have a lot of experience. So they brought in Betcher, who's been a defensive coordinator uh, twice in his career as sort of a little bit of uh, vet, veteran stability in case Ryan's ever needed that during the season. Um, and uh, he would be a guy if they wanted to change horses midstream. And, and it sounds as if Shanahan doesn't want to do that. And he gave Ryan's a pretty quick. Um, uh, vote of support when he was asked about him today. Uh, but if they did, they'd have somebody on staff to kind of take over for the rest of the season. Uh, having said that, Betcher is now in charge of the linebackers uh, because Johnny Holland is out uh, for the season. So Betcher took over that group. <laughs> that group has been just as inconsistent as everybody else. So it's not like um, he's uh, been doing anything special with the group that he's been uh, uh, taking over, but the 49ers would have options, Dennis, if they decided to make a change. You know, w- what do you do? You know, we, we were talking offline. I mean, it, players make plays, but, you know, as you saw today, you know, Arizona, you're missing, you're missing your players. And you can, you can, as a coach, you can set the tone, too, with the game plan. And that's what it felt. I mean, going into the game, we were cracking jokes about you know, uh, the quarterback and not having your big play receivers, your 49er killers. And then, you you know, you lose a running back, you lose an offensive lineman. And, you know, we're this is the opportunity. You know, now you have to get after it. But yet on the sidelines, you have coaches that have put a scheme together that makes it easy for the next tier, the next tier guys to come in the football game and become game breakers. And I think that's what the 49ers are missing. I mean, yeah, we, I mean, we've been talking about injuries with the 49ers for two, three years now. Only if, if coulda, woulda, shoulda, Jimmy Garoppolo better, George Kittle better, you know, offense running backs better. If we can have better, if, if the injuries weren't part of the 49ers, you know, we'd be competing for, for, for championships. Well, I think we saw today that, you know, players are on the field. They're expected, they're expected to execute, but it's also about the tone that, that, that your coach sets. And on the defensive side, I'm just not I'm just not seeing any fight. There's no sense of urgency on this defense. It's kind of like, oh yeah, you know, we got beat there. We'll go back to the drawing board and we'll look at it and we'll get better next week. And you don't see it. And that's 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 what the coaches are there to motivate the players. Getting some players face, get some players upset so they can play harder or play better. You know, I don't just see, I don't see anybody on defense playing with their hair on fire. You know, I don't see anybody, you know, ball hawking. I don't see anybody with any big hits. There's no explosive plays on the on the defense unless there's a sack. And you see, you know, Eric Armstead rubbing his gut or something like that. There's no explosive plays on defense. And you got to have that to win football games in the NFL. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. 
Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. To one of your points, Dennis, the big Cardinals trick play today that they dialed up, it was a uh, – they faked the screen pass and then it was a pitch backwards to Christian Kirk who threw the ball – 33 yards downfield to Antoine Wesley. So receiver to receiver pass set up Arizona's second touchdown. Well, guess what? That's a play that the Cardinals had initially installed for DeAndre Hopkins to throw it and for A.J. Green to catch it. And neither of those two players were available today, yet the Cardinals were still ready to execute it, even with basically backups for that play and the third person who touched the ball or the first one on the play was the quarterback and normally that'd be Kyler Murray right on the timing play uh, handing it off to DeAndre Hopkins who would throw to A.J. Green well instead today all three components for the Cardinals on that play Colt McCoy Christian Kirk and then Antoine Wesley were different yet the Cardinals still executed they still found a way to make sure that the replacement guys were able to successfully implement whatever the game plan was. In that case, it was a big trick play that uh, busted open uh, the game for the Cardinals. That made it 14 nothing, and they didn't turn around. I, I think that was symbolic because we sit here talking about the 49ers and injuries and this and that. Well, the Cardinals just came in for the first time in a long time. The whole injury thing was reversed, and it should have worked in the 49ers' favor, right? But the Cardinals didn't skip a beat, and the 49ers just slid further down into this, I can't say early season hole. We're about halfway through now for the 49ers. This first half of the season hole, they just slid further into it. And I think that the Cardinals' adaptability, uh, their ability to you know just continue to persist and be efficient, even with guys out, uh, might have reminded the 49ers a little bit of their 2019 self, right? Back in 2019, there were a lot of injuries, and the 49ers kept on churning, kept on churning, kept on churning. Matt, this year they haven't even been able to consistently churn when everybody's been healthy and when the other team's been hurt, and and that's a, that's a huge difference between now and when the 49ers were a good team. Yeah, and I wrote about that in the story that uh, is going to appear on Monday uh, in The Athletic that the Cardinals reminded me of the, the 2019 49ers. Uh, they, they realized that they had a special season going, and they were just not going to let some, some midseason injuries derail them. Remember... Back in 2019, Joe Staley was out for, for four games. Uh, McGlinchey was out for four games. Kyle Juszczyk was out for a while. Weston Richburg, uh, D. Ford. It was a, it's a pretty substantial list. Um, not quite the, the death blows that they've had in, in 18 and 20 and, and some earlier this year, but uh, enough to think that it could have uh, you know kind of snuffed out a good season. The 49ers just were not going to let that happen. They kept winning in spite of those, and that's what you saw from the Cardinals today. And, and I think uh, 
the 49ers were a little misfortunate in that they got the Cardinals right after their, their first loss of the season. They got the Cardinals after the Cardinals played on Thursday, so they had uh, you know the, the so-called mini-buy um, so that they, uh, they were a little fresh. And, um, you know, but those, those are excuses. They, 49ers still should have won this game and probably should have won it by, by 10 points, just on a kind of talent versus talent basis. Uh, to, to David's point, the, the Cardinals just executed everything so much better, so much more crisply than the 49ers did. And we should point out that that, that play that David just referenced, the, uh, the trick play involving Christian Kirk, that happened the play after Eric Armstead seemed to, to sack Colt McCoy, burst up through the middle. Uh, big momentum change where you could kind of sense it. Okay, 49ers finally getting things together. This is when they're going to start kind of throwing their weight around and, and their, uh, their advantage in, in talent is going to take over. Well, of course, because anytime a quarterback gets, gets hit, uh, you have to throw a flag. They threw a, a flag on that one, and the, the, the play gets reversed, and the Cardinals, instead of punting, get a first down. So there was some some bad luck element to this. There were there were a couple of fumbles that the Cardinals had, had no business in recovering them. Somehow the ball made it into their arms and not the 49ers. I mean, that's that's this season, though. That's the way the, the ball is bouncing for them. It's bouncing away from the 49ers and to their opponents. Uh, and the 49ers just aren't good enough. They're not a good enough team to kind of overcome those uh, those punches to the gut that they get every now and then. And here's my question. You know, if you keep if you keep falling off, you keep taking these punches to the gut and this bad luck, at what point do you see I mean, you know, we said it. I the 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 ownership believes in this long-term plan. At what point do you bring Trey Lance and say, "Listen, you're the future, Jimmy Garoppolo, you're not going to be here." Even though Jimmy Garoppolo didn't lose his football game today, but we all know if you draft a quarterback third overall, he is your future quarterback. So at what point now do you say, all right, this season might be a wrap. Uh, let's see what we got moving forward with Trey Lance because the only time we've seen a Trey Lance is against Arizona that first time and he ran the ball like whatever, 16 times. That's not, that's not going to be anything you want to kind of have moving forward. When are you going to kind of put this kid in there take the bumps and the bruises and see what you got in them. And then you put on the defensive side, you get some of these young guys, it's these secondary guys that you got in the draft. When you get them out there and just kind of say, listen, they're just going to have to learn by getting reps in the NFL. What, when does that happen for this 49er team? Well, I think it's a lot easier to do it on the defensive side because you bench a poorly performing cornerback and you put in a rookie, but you're also trying to foster a culture. And the problem right now is you look at that game, and Jimmy Garoppolo was one of the few players who wasn't a problem in that game for the 49ers. He played one of his better games of the season. Uh, I understand a couple weeks ago against the Colts, after a game like that, I think it's a lot easier to say, okay, hey, yeah, we're going to start mixing Trey Lance in. We'll start where they even start Trey Lance. But after a game in which, what, it was probably – Brandon Ayuk, the fumble, I think, really uh, hurt – 
the overall perception of Brandon Ayuk's performance. It was a costly fumble, but boy, he showed up today, right? Outside of that fumble, he 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 made some plays. But outside of Garoppolo, Ayuk minus the fumble, and a little bit of Elijah Mitchell that the 49ers couldn't really utilize too much because they got behind and the Cardinals were selling out against the run. But outside of those three guys, uh, I mean, I guess Kittle made a couple nice catches, but he also fumbled. But my point is that there just wasn't a whole lot of positives about the 49ers, right? And you can't just turn around the next week and be like, okay, well, we're going to bench one of the guys that uh, actually played decently well this week, right? So I, I think that, that that's the problem right now, the 49ers, that every single week there's some a different component of the roster plays horridly. So in the weeks that it's Garoppolo not playing well, like after the Colts, um, it makes – you know, logically a lot more sense for everybody to be calling for Lance to play. But in weeks like this, yeah, I get it. It would get the rookie, get the Amador Lenore out there. I'd much rather see him than Drake Kirkpatrick getting steamrolled on the field. I'd much rather see him than Josh Norman uh, getting a flag for, you know, trying to taunt Cliff Kingsbury or whatever he got a flag for, you know, of course I'd rather see that. But at the QB position, it's tough. Cause you also got to send the message to your team that you're going to reward at least decent to good play. Right. Um, that plus Matt, uh, what are you, you know, inserting Trey Lance into a situation where Tom Compton's the right tackle and Daniel Brunskill's the right guard doesn't seem to be a really wise strategy regarding Trey Lance's future health, considering, I mean, he'd, he's already gotten hurt once against the Cardinals and, uh, moving forward, he might not have a, a competent right tackle. I mean, that was a problem today, right? As soon as McGlinchey got hurt. Um, Tom Compton, just a turnstile there, right? Tackle. Well, where's Jalen Moore? Speaking of rookies, that's the guy that needed to play today, and instead Tom Compton's getting trotted out there instead of Jalen Moore, and it really hurt the 49ers. Yeah, uh, Jalen Moore has played well, but he, he's taken basically every snap, every practice snap and, and game snap at left tackle, which is where he played in college, and not right tackle, which is why Compton came in for McGlinchey, and then, uh, you know, McGlinchey's taken a lot of guff, uh, to put it lightly, over the years, well, McGlinchey's given up two sacks to this point in the season, and Compton quickly gave up two uh, in that game. So, uh, you know, the, the 49ers were already missing McGlinchey. Shanahan said that uh, they'd consider, that was the word he used, uh, moving Jalen Moore to right tackle if McGlinchey is out for a little bit. Um, I don't know how long that transition takes. Uh, I, I don't think it's quite as easy as just kind of flipping one guy to the other, especially when he's a, uh, uh, a, a tackle and is used to playing on the left side. But uh, that's an option there. And, um, you know, uh, you, you're right. I don't think uh, Trey Lance, you know, Shanahan even glanced his way in this game. There were a couple of Trey Lance-like opportunities around the goal line to put him in. I looked down there with my binoculars. Um, you know, there was no discussion whatsoever. So Shanahan, I think, for the short term, and like I said, nine games left. And until they're out out of this, I don't think that we see a lot of Trey Lance um, in, this, in this contest or in these uh, upcoming games. And uh, with, with Aaron Donald lining up opposite Brunskill and, and opposite whoever it is at right tackle, uh, it's hard to see him getting a lot of snaps on uh, this, this coming Monday night either. Yeah, Golden had, um, what, three sacks tonight. I think two was on that side after uh, McGlinchey went down on uh, Compton. So, yeah, he was a problem. 
uh, I think the offense, I mean, I don't know. It seems like every week there's a different facet of this def- or of, of this team that just plays really bad. It's either the defense or it's the offense or special teams, and it, they just can't seem to put it together. And I don't know. Moving forward, I, I don't know. I don't know what happens. You know, after the game, you know, you, you always you listen to other people talk. Well, we're just gonna, you know, we're we're gonna look at the film and see what we can. Well, th- th- you don't have to look at the film. I mean, you can just see it on the field. You're just not executing. And how do you change that that mentality? And I think it starts in practice. And I think it starts with the coaches. I mean, at, at some point, someone's got to get mad. I mean, that, that's the. I mean, football is an angry sport. You play with precision, and you you play you play uh, to execute, but you got to play mad too. You have to play with your hair on fire, and you have to be big. It has to be big gash plays in 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 football on offense and defense. It's got to be some playmakers on this field. And again, we're back to this. I don't, I don't know where it starts. I don't know if it's Trey Lance. I don't know if it's the rookies, but I know right now your draft, your draft, your draft class has to start to play. And I don't. I, I can only think of one person in this draft class that's playing, and that's Elijah Elijah Mitchell. He's the, and he's like a six rounder. So I mean, this draft class has to sit, has to stand up, and they have to start playing. And you, you got to get Trey Lance out there. You got to see what you got. You got to get. These young guys in the secondary, because your secondary is is bad. It is really bad. And Aaron Banks has got to get in there, and, and he's got to get on that offensive line, see if you can help out a little bit. I think you just got to – your draft picks have to stand up now. you got to be in the football game now. Yeah, and, and I think you hit the nail on the head. More than Lance, it's about – that's an indictment of the draft class, right? It's not like they're tearing it up on the right side of the offensive line. It's not like they're tearing it up in the secondary – in fact, especially after the McGlinchey injury and especially after the Ward and Tart injuries, both of those units, especially the right side of the line, I don't want to say that the left side's been bad. They've been good. But both the right side of the line and the secondary have both sucked. Like, they both haven't been good. <laughs> and you still have these rookies inactive. Maybe you have them inactive for good reason. Maybe they're not good players. Maybe they're you know they're not developing well, but that then points to a larger issue. You screwed up these drafts. You're screwing up this development. Either way, there's an inefficiency here because you have two position groups that are not performing well, and the rookies that you drafted to be the futures or at least help out at those two position groups are in street clothes during these football games. And enough misses in both drafting and development will accumulate over time and turn into an on-field disaster or on-field disasters like the one that we saw against the Cardinals. So, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, with the Lance thing, to me, especially if losses you know, continue to be as ugly as this one, you look at this from a big-picture ownership point of view, right? Jed York signed off on the the Trey Lance trade up and you know putting all the chips into the Trey Lance basket if Jed York signed off on that that means that Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch's futures are essentially tied to how Trey Lance does now if the uh, losses are ugly now throwing Trey Lance in there uh, correct me if I'm wrong Matt you've covered the NFL longer than I have but throwing Trey Lance in there would effectively start the clock on what the 49ers have pushed all of their eggs 
into one basket on. They've pushed all their chips into the middle of the table on Trey Lance. A lot of stuff not going well right now. But if the Trey Lance era starts in earnest just for the hell of it next week, just because the 49ers have said, uh, you know, whatever, we'll start the Trey Lance era, uh, wouldn't that really start the clock on Shanahan and Lynch based on the way that Jed York has approached this situation and, and, and their employment? Yeah, for sure. And, um, you know, you, you run the risk of – um, you know, developing bad habits or getting an injury, which with Trey Lance uh, is a uh, is a possibility. I mean, he's already been hurt twice. Remember, he he hurt his finger uh, in in that last game in the preseason. So um, I, you know, like I said, there there didn't seem to be even a glance towards Lance in this game. There was no Lance glance. So uh, I I don't think that this is happening uh, very quickly. But to your guys's point, there were. Let's count them up. Uh, eight draft picks um, in, in this last draft. Six of those guys didn't play a snap on offense or defense uh, against the Cardinals. Six out of eight. Uh, and that was Lance, of course, Aaron Banks, the second rounder, Trey Sermon, the, the third rounder. That was the most baffling to me because they obviously uh, had moved Jeff Wilson up from the pup sooner than they wanted to. Remember, um, you know, Wilson just started practicing this, this past week uh, and all of a sudden was in uniform on Sunday, and he, he didn't play a snap. But they, they still would have played him ahead of Sermon. They would have played a guy who was just coming off a, a bad knee injury ahead of their third-round draft pick. That's how, that's how little they think of Trey Sermon right now. Uh, it, it's baffling. Um, the, now, uh, Ambry Thomas was in uniform, although he only played on special teams, um, and he was ahead of Lenore, who Lenore looked like the better player earlier in the season. So I don't know what they're thinking at a lot of positions. Running back and, and cornerback are, are chief among them. And I just wanted to point out something that, that Dennis said about playing angry and getting mad. I thought it was really interesting that when Kyle Shanahan needed to bring in a closer somebody to talk to the team before that, that Chicago Bears game last week. The guy he brought in was, was John Lynch, a, a player from Dennis's era. Um, because, uh, like, like we've been talking about, there doesn't seem to be those types of guys on the 49ers, or at least they haven't been healthy recently. Uh, so, you know, when, when they needed a kick in the pants, they brought a guy from the 90s, Dennis, in to sort of uh, motivate them and get them going. You know, if you remember, John Lynch was a headhunter. Oh, yeah. I mean, he was taking heads off. So, but that's the mentality, you know, and you look at this defense with the talent. I mean, we, we've we've talked about it over and over. The talent on this defense, when they're healthy, of course, uh, they've got so much of it. It's just, you know, you, you, you just don't have that one guy, Hufunga is a guy, if you watch it, he was out of position a lot today, I think, but he's that one guy that just plays with his hair on fire, right? I mean, he's running around and he's just, you know, he, he's kind of freelancing, which kind of hurts the defense a little bit. I think on that reverse, he was way out of position, but he's a guy that just runs around looking to hit something. And sometimes that's the attitude you gotta have. You know, you gotta have that attitude where I'm just gonna hit anything that's moving and if I make a mistake, it's going to be full speed. And, you know, that's I just think that's the attitude that's kind of missing on this team. They just seem like they're kind of complacent a little bit. Like, you know, here comes the play. Let 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 the receiver catch the ball in front of me. Try to make a tackle on him. 
Uh, if I'm not, you know, it's going to be a touchdown and we'll line up again. Or third and 13, I'm just going to, you know, I'm nice. I'm going to have a 10-yard cushion and maybe I can tackle tackle a, a receiver. You know, just play with your hair on fire like a Hufanga and just run around and look for someone to hit. Or John Lynch, look someone, you know, someone to put a hit on, put a pad on. And that's what I think is missing. And that's a, you know, that's a mentality. I mean, that's something that you have to do in practice. You got to kind of create in practice. So the team is just missing some fire. And I, I don't know what you do moving forward. But I, I do think some of these young guys, you got to start developing. You can't develop a player. You can try to develop on, a, on the practice field. But you got to get them in the field so you start developing them a little bit. And I think a Trey Lance, it's time to start kind of getting them out there and just take the bumps and bruises. Especially, I mean, you know, the Rams lost tonight. I'm pretty sure they probably lost. They're going to come in, and it's a divisional game, and they're you know they're going to you know they're they're looking at the Cardinals now. They got to keep pace with the Cardinals, so you know it's it's going to be another tough game. And it's going to be Monday night football. You can't get embarrassed on Monday night football when you you know at at, at, at your home. And again, the 49ers are what oh and four or what oh and eight at Levi Stadium now. I mean, you got to get some some type of home field advantage. It's embarrassing now. Yeah, they've lost eight straight at home. They haven't won at home in 386 days. Uh the last time they won at home was against the Rams and they're coming in next. So maybe maybe Rams wins are going to bookend this, but god. Well, the Rams, I mean, that's the thing about the NFL. There there is no real dominant team this year. Uh even the teams that look dominant one week today, the, the Rams didn't look so dominant against the Titans. So you never know. I know that last year when the Rams came in, the 49ers, I believe, were coming right off that really tough loss against Miami. And uh, they, 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 they were maybe another game came in between those. But the 49ers, I don't know. I think it was the Rams game right away. Yeah. And the 49ers went out and they beat the Rams by. I believe two possessions in that game. I think they had a touchdown at the end or a score there at the end to stretch it out. But it was a, it was a convincing win for the 49ers, and they haven't won at Levi Stadium since then. So they have to hope for a reversal like that. The problem is their defense. Again, last year it was still the number five, number six defense in the league. Already entering this game, it was a below average 49ers defense, and now it's you know firmly below average. It's bad now, and without a decent defense it's you have to be perfect offensively and they obviously were far from it with those fumbles today and and with the five sacks they allowed because of the instability on the right side of the line I mean just so many problems with this team it's hard to just specify one but boy uh was that defensive side of the ball atrocious anyway we'll talk to everybody a little bit later this week it's a Monday night game 49ers and Rams coming up next 49ers are down to three and five. They had hoped to be four and four after this one. That's not going to happen. They're still trying to claw their way out of things, but instead they're slipping deeper and deeper into the sinkhole. So we'll talk about what might be next later this week. For Matt Barrows and Dennis Brown, this is David Lombardi. We'll talk to you next time on the Here's the Catch podcast.